chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. We were just singing about that, weren't we? And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord on a message entitled, Into Our World. Into Our World. If we could have Reverend Tuig, sir, please pray over our message and messenger. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Once again, welcome. We're glad you're here. Reverend Hill started us off last week in our sermon series. We are preaching a four-part series all the Sundays in December. We're talking about the characters of Christmas and how they impacted, uh, how Christ impacted their lives, how their lives were changed, both then and now. Last week he started us off. Matter of fact, he preached about making an impact. He talked about three types of people. You remember who they were? Oh, Reverend Hill. <laughs> I remember. I got him. They were the, the travelers. The, um, I got him because I haven't written down. <laughs> the travelers, the taverns, and the taxes. The three different parts. The taxes, the travelers, and the tavern. He talked about the taxes and how that Caesar Augustus was trying to get money so he could live a luxurious life. He talked about the travelers, those who were making their way there. He talked about the tavern or the inn. And the tavern in that time wasn't necessarily an alcohol place. It was a place where you'd, like a hotel, Motel 6. And he talked about how the, in the, the point under taxes, about how people are often building their own empire and not thinking about the kingdom of God. 
And how that, as a traveler, sometimes people are going place to place but not finding what they're looking for. And then how that tavern, that innkeeper, though he didn't have much left, all he could offer was a spot in his stable. He offered what he had, and it made an impact. Not just then, but we're still talking about him today. Amen? Now I want to continue in that series this morning. How many of you maybe even have an advent calendar now? Or do you know, maybe you had one when you were a kid. All right, all right, there we go. An advent calendar is a little calendar and they have little doors. And each door represents a day leading up to the birth of Christ in advent. And uh, every day you get to open up one of the little doors and there's a little picture or maybe a little word there. And, and as a kid, I look forward to opening up every door because that meant one day closer to Christmas. Now I'm going to be honest with you, it was not to me one day closer to the coming of Christ. When I was a kid, it was one day closer to the presence. Amen? I'm just being honest. You can lie about it if you want. But for me, one day closer to the presence, one day closer to going to grandma's house, enjoying time with the family, one day closer to the feast that we would have uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. That's what I was looking for. Now, it's kind of a shame because though the presence and the time with family and the good food is a wonderful thing to experience during Christmas. Let me plug this in real quick. We love you. Jesus loves you. We appreciate your kindness. Please don't buy us anything for Christmas. Amen. If you want to do something, uh, you can give that money. We usually take up a world missions offering on Christmas Eve. You can give it towards that and we'll take care of some folks over yonder. I say, preacher, why are you saying that? Because... You'd be a lot of folks to buy for, amen? <laughs> but really, we're, it's not my birthday. We're celebrating Christ's birthday, amen? So let's give something to him. So I look forward to that uh, Christmas because of the gifts and because of the food and because of the family. And those things are good to experience now. But there was something so much greater that was getting ready to happen. Something so life-changing and eternity-changing that was absolutely missed both then and sometimes now. Because when we talk about Christmas, sometimes you're thinking about the fat guy in the red coat with the white beard. Or you're thinking about the tree and all the gifts underneath it. But the real person of Christmas is Christ. And I like what one man said. Though he is the person of Christmas, it's almost as if he is smothered underneath all of the Christmas festivities. It's almost as if he is forgotten about underneath the tree, like a nativity scene where the cat knocked over the manger. It's almost as if Christ has taken second place, and it shouldn't be that way, because the coming of Christ is so momentous back then and now. It changes our eternity. It changes our eternity. Look at our Bible reading and our Bible setting. For we find, we find that there were, uh, not, only, not only was the coming of Christ momentous in the lives of those that it personally impacted, but there were others right next to it who missed the boat. i got to get away from my notes and just let the Lord help me this morning. Amen? Amen. I said, preacher, you're going to get in trouble, aren't you? I trust not. You're praying for me, right? All right. 
Sometimes the miracles that happened were experienced by one person, and then right next to them, they'd miss what was going on. Think about Jesus being born in that stable and placed in that manger. And yet the people that were in the end didn't even know what was happening. You think about the angels appearing to the shepherds. And they begin to sing the song that they've been practicing for hundreds of years. Because it was a big deal that Christ was coming to the earth. Heaven was excited. The angels were singing. God was rejoicing. Why? Because this was what the world needed. It needed a Savior. It didn't need a Santa. It needed a Savior. It didn't need another gift under the tree. It needed the gift of eternal life. It didn't need another far trip. It needed forgiveness. This is what the world was looking for. And the same danger is uh, we are susceptible today. To come and get caught up in all the festivities and miss what Christ wants to do in our lives. Now one of Reverend's points and one of my points kind of overlap this morning. Because we're talking to you about the characters of Christmas. He dealt with the taxes, the tavern, and the travelers. I'm going to deal with you about Mary this morning. And Mary, if you're familiar, was a young Jewish girl probably a teenager, who, as far as we know, walked before the Lord uprightly because God saw fit to use her. Now, I can imagine God looking for somebody. And we don't know some of the backstory, but there obviously had to be uh, God looking for somebody he could use. Looking for somebody who was pure. Looking for somebody who was willing. Looking for, just like They were looking for a place for the birth of Christ. God was looking for a place to put the person of Christ. He was looking for a place to put the person of Christ. He needed a mother, a womb. He needed a Mary. Now that's not too different than what God is trying to do today. He's looking for a place to put the person of Christ in our lives. He's looking for a place, someone who is willing to open up and say, God, do it in me. And just like when that young girl who the angel appeared to and the angel said, Mary, you're highly favored of God. God has chosen you. We're going to put that seed. God's going to put that seed in you. We're going to put Christ in you. It's going to change you and it's going to change the world. Now the same thing happens when Christ comes into us today. It changes us. Now when a woman gets pregnant, ladies are really good for this. Sometimes they'll catch it before everybody else even knows it. They say, my, you seem to be glowing. Are you pregnant? Have you ever heard that before, ladies? That's better than than them saying, man, your gut's big. Are you expecting? (laughs) I guess that's the nice way of saying it, right? You're glowing. Are you pregnant? Because when that life is placed inside that woman, there's an extra uh, life that begins to shine forth from her. When Christ comes into a Christian, there is a, a light in our life that begins to shine forth. The world should know that we are different. We're not like everybody else. We are. We are different in our thinking. We're different in the places we go. We're different in the words that we speak. As Christians, we speak words of love and kindness. As, please smile at me this morning, amen. Man, some of you, 
Some of you folks look at me like, better do good, preacher. I got my rotten tomatoes here. I'm ready to get you. I wish that thing was bulletproof. Amen. Amen. But when Christ comes in, there is a life. Everything is different about us. We are not like the world anymore. We don't speak like the world. Our words are words of up- uplifting. Our words are words of help. Uh, we don't curse anymore. It's kind of strange sometimes. Sometimes the young kids and the teenagers think that it's cool to curse like the rest of the world. That's despicable. You're dishonoring God in you if you have God in you. Amen. There's something so foolish in trying to keep up with the world and be like them when they're heading to hell. I don't want to go where they're going. Amen? Amen. There's nothing endearing about using filthy language. Not to a teenager, not to an adult. You're not tough or strong. They say that using profanity is the effort of a weak mind trying to express itself forcefully. Using profanity is the effort of a weak mind trying to express itself forcefully. Surely as a Christian we can use words that that wouldn't be profanity. Amen. Let me go on. When that woman gets pregnant, there is a glow about her. But there is also a nauseousness. Those first three months she gets morning sickness puking and and, uh, wanting crackers and whatnot to try to keep that nauseousness down. When Christ comes into us, there's things that we've got to get out of our lives. When Christ comes into us, there's things that we're sick of. When Christ comes into us, there's just things that say, we don't want to do that anymore. I don't like that anymore. I don't want to be around that. Why? Because we've been changed. I was stuck in a place recently where I had to listen. I was in a, a situation where I had to listen to their music. I couldn't get up and leave because of the situation. And it was grieving. Because inside of me there is Christ. And, and as a Christian, I want to glorify God. And when you're stuck in a situation where you've got to listen to the worldly music and the, the ungodliness of it all, it's grieving because it makes us sick. I've got Jesus inside of me. I get nauseous with the things of the world. If you've got a taste for the things of the world, something's wrong. You've got to think about who the world holds up as heroes. There's a Christian singer, quite good Christian singer. But he just got dropped by one of the companies or the groups that he sang with. And I was trying to figure out why. And it shared that he had, he had promoted... This worldly singer, who's I guess quite famous, Lil Nas X, who this guy, after he produced his famous song, came out as gay, and then recently produced a video which had him pole dancing, descending into hell, and giving a lap dance to the devil. Now the world may think, well that's kind of cool, and that's kind of edgy. I'm going to tell you something. There is no lap dance in hell. It's a place of tor- torment. It's a place of forever pain. It's a place of, 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 of eternal destruction. The Bible said that the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and ever. And so the world wants to baby down or, or whitewash hell and its implications. But I want you to know there is an eternity. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. And you don't want to go to hell. 
You're not, it's not going to be a place down there where there's a dance club going on. Christians should come out from the world. We don't listen to the worldly garbage. We don't feast on the worldly stuff because it makes us sick. When Christ comes into us, it makes us puke up the world. Now look, if we don't become like that, God said that we, uh, I don't want to say we, that those Christians who are lukewarm, God would puke them up. He said, you're not hot or you're not cold. And because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Christian, there's times that you just got to turn the heat up in your own life. There's times you got to say, you know what, God, I'm tired of being the way that I am. I I need you to help me. I need you to change me. I I used to be a soul winner. I used to be a prayer. I used to be a, a faithful attender. But things aren't the way they should be. God, help me. Just like God and the angel looked for somebody to place that seed of Christ, then he's looking for someone to place that seed of Christ now. But just like Mary had to be willing, we've got to be willing. God, do it in me. God, do it in me. When that woman begins to grow, she shows signs of stretching. And as we begin to grow in Christ, we show signs of our growth. There should be a difference. You should not be the same way you were last year or the year before. There should be a change. You've dropped certain things. You don't do certain things anymore. You begin to grow. Why? Because Christ in you is pushing out the stuff that doesn't belong. Are you still here? All right. Christ in us changes not only us. But it changes the world. Reverend Hill talked about it last week in making an impact. Mary said, be it under thy handmaid. And God placed Christ inside of her. Eventually, what was inside of her was going to be born Jesus and change our world. Christ in us eventually begins to manifest to the world and makes an impact. Now, there was something else. Something else had happened. I got four more points, but I think we can get through them. Something else had happened. Mary, once she was pregnant, it was not because of her committing fornication, but she was pregnant because God had placed that seed in her. Joseph found out about it and said, he, man, he started backing away. Man, I'm not going to marry you. You must have been messing around with some other dude. An angel had to appear to Joseph and said, don't, don't worry. Go ahead, take your wife. This is not from some man. God has put that seed in there. And you have to understand that there must have been an undeserved shame. An undeserved shame. When they saw Mary walking around, and probably the ladies shook their heads. And they probably said, I can't believe her. Maybe even for Joseph, too. Why would he marry that woman? They didn't know the background, did they? You see, as Christians, when we start to walk with God, there's a certain undeserved shame that comes to us, too. Because we don't dress like everybody else. We don't act like everybody else. We don't listen to all the things that they listen to. We repudiate the world and the things that are, that are a part of it. And the world looks at us like, what's wrong with you? You're dressing like an old woman. No, I'm dressing modestly. And I'm not uh, showing off everything I've got, all of my endowments. Amen? 
What's wrong with you? You won't drink with us? No, I don't drink anymore. Why? Because all drunkards shall have the part in the lake that burns with fire. There is a real hell and a real pain and a real torment that, that mankind is going to experience that hasn't been born again. There is an undeserved shame. But there is no shame in God's eyes in turning from the world. And think about it. As Mary walked around and she had that, that baby bump, and the world looked at her and shook their heads, it was God looking down at her saying, well done, Mary. Just keep on going. And sometimes in our life, we come to church, and the world constantly wants to get us to compromise, to be accepted by the world. And we've got to say, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, Christmas time's coming. You're going to be around your family. They're going to say, hey, have a glass of wine. No, thank you. There'll be that subtle pressure. Just have a glass of wine. Be sociable. No, thank you. I don't drink. What's wrong with you? You think you're holier than us? No, I just don't drink anymore because God said, whosoever looks upon the wine, don't look upon the wine. Don't drink it. You'll be a fool. And I don't want to be a fool. Sometimes they push you to tell them, listen, you want to die and go to hell? Go ahead, but I'm not going with you. Are you still here? All right. Help me, help me. I got three more points. There were two worlds, two families, and two futures. Two worlds. In heaven, there was a world that was rejoicing because Christ was coming. But on earth, there was a world that was oblivious to what was taking place. Can you think about that now? In heaven, God is calling people to come to church this morning. In heaven, God is, and, and, and the, uh, Jesus, the Bible tells us, ever lives making intercession for us. God Almighty had prayed that you would come to church and, and that you would open your heart to him this morning. And so God will not violate your free will. But God has made a way for you to come to him this morning. And yet on the earth, they're concerned about the football game. And what's for lunch? And, and what we're going to do tomorrow, what we're going to do then, all these things, they're oblivious to the eternal weightier matters. There were two worlds, two fields. Something so eternity shaking in heaven was overlooked by most at the time it was happening. And I'd be, I would be careful to not let something so eternity shaking today be overlooked by you. Because one day or another, it's going to be our last day. We did the funeral for Brother Malding yesterday. He was 79 years old. He would oftentimes sit kind of right back where Sister Schaefer is by the elevator there. He'd usually be one of the first people here on Sunday morning. He'd help us bring people to church and take them home, pick up folks for us. He even helped people get vehicles and, and work to help other folks. A lot of stuff behind the scenes. He was a generous man. But he was driving. As he was driving down south somewhere, Festus area, I think, or Fenton, somewhere down there, he had a, they think he had a heart attack and ran off the road and died. And as we were talking to the family, they said it was such a shock to us. We thought he was indestructible. He didn't know the last time that he was sitting in church was going to be his last time. He didn't know the last sermon he heard was going to be his last sermon. And maybe... You see, I think every Sunday he came because he wanted to hear the word of God and help get ready. He didn't know that was going to be his last opportunity. 
And you know, for us, I don't know, this could be the last sermon I ever preach. It could be the last time you're ever in church. It could be your last opportunity to get right with God. Two worlds. But then there were two families. There was the family of God and the family of the devil. Now, if I would ask you this morning, which family do you belong to? I am sure that you would say something like this. Man, I'm a child of God. But the Bible tells us there are specifics. In the book of 1 John, he said, he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God is the family of God, does not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So if you are prejudiced, you are not a Christian, neither he that loveth not his brother. If you do not do righteousness, if your life does not show that you've been born again, then it shows that you are not of the family of God, you're the family of the devil. Now, wouldn't it be strange for you to show up this Christmas at the wrong house? Hey, I'm here. And everybody on the inside look at you like, who are you? I'm part of the family. No, you're not. We've never met you before. Don't you dare touch that ham. Amen. <laughs> no, don't sit down on the couch. Don't make yourself at home. Don't take your shoes off. Please. Get out of here. We don't know who you are. Well, that's what God said. There would be those in the last day who say, hey, I'm a child of God. And God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, how can I prevent that from happening? I need to examine my life now. Am I a child of God? If I'm a child of God, I will not be prejudiced. I won't hate somebody because of the color of their skin. Who chose the color of their skin anyhow? Amen? If I'm a child of God, I'm not going to continue in homosexuality or fornication or adultery or pornography or drunkenness or cursing. Why? Because I'm different. God has changed me. If I'm continuing in those things, it shows I haven't been changed. I am not of the family of God. Now, you can change families. Thank God. How do I do that? Why would you want to stay? I don't, why would you want to stay with the devil as your daddy? He's not a good father. The Bible said he seeks to steal and kill and destroy. That is not a good father. But we've got a heavenly father that loves you and that wants to help you. And that's saying, come unto me and I will give you rest. That's a good father. Two fields. But the field that doesn't have the seed planted is going to be barren. Two families. The family of God and the family of the devil. You said, well, preacher, you say he that commits sin is not of God. What is sin? Is that just being a murderer? I haven't robbed a bank. Have you harbored lust in your heart? Have you allowed resentment to dwell within? You see, the devil and the world work overtime to normalize the corrupt. 
he will say things like this. All men watch pornography. No, they don't. He will say things like, everybody gets drunk. Everybody sleeps with somebody before they get married to them. The world wants to normalize the corrupt, but God is absolutely the opposite. He said, no, no adulterer, no effeminate, no whoremonger, no fornicator shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, no drunkard. So it doesn't matter what the world says, they are trying to normalize the corrupt. You've got to begin to change where you get your input in. Go back to the word of God and let God speak to you. For when you let God speak to you, God will let you know you can't go to heaven doing that. Finally, I'm almost done. Get ready, musicians. There are two futures. You see, Christ came into the world, why? To give us a fresh start. Reverend Tuig's going to come in just a minute and give the altar call. But he came to give us a fresh start, to turn it around. You don't have to end up dying and going to hell. You can go to heaven. That seed that the angel planted in Mary that changed her, that same seed of Christ God is looking for those who would be willing and say, God, come into my heart. I'm tired of my life being barren. You see, without Christ, the Bible said, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. And you wonder, why Why isn't my life more fruitful? Why haven't I had more fulfillment? Because there's no seed. There's no Christ in you. But today that can change. What do I need to do? Come to him and say, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Plant that seed, that, that seed of life, that Christ in me. I want to be different. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Reverend Tuhig gets ready to come. In just a bit, we're going to open up this altar. And we're going to come find a place of prayer. And when we do, you can come and let God speak to you. Today's a chance to change families, to change futures, to get things ready. Come on, Reverend.